0: We priests and nuns have to do what's called the Liturgy of the Hours every day, or it's also called the Divine Office. Five times a day there are periods of prayer, usually with psalms and some readings. But the first hour of every day is called the Office of Readings. And in addition to three psalms that you pray, there's also two more extended readings that you start your day with, one usually from um, the Scriptures and one from either the Church Fathers or some of the Church Councils. And the first reading from the Old Testament this morning was from Exodus. Um, You know the story of of the Exodus, that the uh, Israelites, after the 12 sons of Jacob, have to go down to Egypt during the famine. Later they settle there, and the, the, the Jews grow in population, and Pharaoh enslaves them. They become basically a race of slaves within the kingdom of Egypt, and Pharaoh is the cruel taskmaster. And that's what leads Moses to end up having the call to set them free, and the rest of the story of the journey in the desert to the promised land, the Ten Commandments, etc. You can see the movie if you haven't read the book. But the moment that was in the readings this morning that really struck me was when Moses first approaches Pharaoh to demand that not that they be set free from slavery, but that they be given some reprieve, some few days to go out to offer sacrifice to, to God and then come back and still be at Pharaoh's service. And Pharaoh is so offended by this. And they say, you must be lazy. You must not have enough to do. Um, And so instead of punishing Moses, he punishes all of the Hebrews and says, now instead of the normal work you have to do, in addition to that, you have to now collect your own straw, which that was part of the process of making bricks, which the Hebrew slaves were on to do. They previously had the straw provided for them, and they still had to work all day long, with no breaks to make these bricks. But now he said, you have to gather your own straw and make the same amount of bricks. Basically, you're already doing something nearly impossible. Now do the impossible. And they can't do it. And so all of the, the people in charge of the Hebrews and the Hebrews themselves are beaten and punished because uh, they're unable to do what almost by definition they can't do. Like they were already worked to the bone. And now Pharaoh is adding this Impossible task, and of course the Hebrews blame Moses, and they say, "Why are you making trouble for us? Our lives were already hard enough. Why are you making him mad, and he's he's making our lives even worse?" And I must say, I really sympathize with them. And I, there was something in it. And maybe it's just like because we've been in pandemic mode for a year now, and then we're like adding Lent on. That I felt, i felt it. Like I'm not saying that I have any sort of sympathy or am able to sympathize with that kind of suffering, but. Um, The feeling of like adding an extra burden on when you already feel burdened is really unpleasant but I also had this insight like well I already know how this story ends that they're headed to the promised land and we know the story too that they cross over with Joshua and settle on the land of milk and honey and everything that God has planned for them like they can't see it yet and so if my heart was just like you know, a person in that situation, if you could only just tell them what's, you know, this is going to stink for a while, but I promise you it will be worth it. But it's very hard to hear that in the moment when it just feels like more burdens. And so what does it mean to Lent is kind of this time of perseverance. And we've had to persevere some this past year and some more than others and, and some with hidden burdens that they carry inside that it seems like, how could I get through this and then add on to it more burden? Um, You can't, unless you have the gift of hope. Because that's the other side of perseverance, is that you you don't just, like, grit through suffering if it's senseless, if it's pointless, if there's no end to it. But the old saying... uh, a how can or a why can bear any how? Like if you have a reason for it, if you have a destination, a promised land you're headed to, that you can even taste now the land of milk and honey, in some faint way, it will cause you to persevere. It will cause you to to endure whatever. And Jesus today, the, the gospel. This is Mark's very brief version of the temptations in the desert. Matthew and um, Luke have more details of what those temptations were you know, to turn the stone into bread or to throw yourself from the parapet of the temple. And the, the temptations themselves matter. They're distinct sort of modes that, that Satan is trying to get Jesus to adjust his saving mission to instead of being a savior to be kind of a, a, a provider or a, a feeder of the stomach instead of a healer of the soul. But Mark just says it very plainly. Jesus went out and he basically did battle. He persevered. He went out there for 40 days into the desert and ate nothing. And those 40 days, it's a significant number, of course. The first reading from, uh, from Genesis is Noah's Ark, 40 days and 40 nights of flood, of rain. We kind of had like 40 days and 40 nights of snow. I'm pretty done with that, too. Um, but that period of, of just cleansing, it, it, the 40 is this biblical number for completeness. It, it's all washed away. And Noah and his family and the ark of animals is the only thing that's preserved and is settled. And a new creation is is born out of that. And Peter says that prefigures baptism. What happens to us is our souls. It's not a cleansing of the body. It's a cleansing of the inner self. And all of that old gunk is washed away. And the new self, it's totally renewed. But that that 40 number is is all over the place. Um, And maybe most significantly, the 40 years that the Hebrews wandered in the desert. And all of those moments they had were like, this, this slavery moment about the straw was like the first thing. And they had no idea that it was going to be like, also, there's going to be no water. Also, Pharaoh and his chariots are going to chase us and we're going to have to walk through the sea. And, and also, there's going to be no meat and we're going to wander around for 40 years. And some of us aren't even going to get to see the promised land. And all of the suffering, if they knew all of that they were taking on at the time, they probably would have said no. They had temptations to turn back. They said, at least when we were slaves, we had meat. Let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back to slavery. Ever felt that way? When you're on a spiritual journey and you don't feel that hope, you feel the temptation to give in to despair and just not persevere, just settle for slavery. Keep in mind the freedom that is in store for you if you do persevere. And not only that, to keep that hope in mind, but to know also that Jesus knows what it is to persevere. That God himself entered into our weakness, into our hunger, into that temptation. I remember that uh, I once fasted for three days when I was on a retreat. And this was in consultation with my spiritual director. and It wasn't uh, me just going rogue and trying to do something spiritually crazy. But um, I, wanted, I felt called to, to enter into that kind of renunciation, that, that kind of asceticism. And I did nothing, I only drank water for three days. And I expected, I don't know, to have some kind of mystical revelation, to hear some locutions from Mary or Jesus or something. Like, look at all this cool stuff I'm doing for you, God. I'm like a, I'm like a monk or something. But actually, it just made me really, really hungry. And really, really weak. And the first day, you're just battling, like, uh, I really want to eat, my body's used to eating, three times a day and now I've skipped the first one now the second one now the third one now you're like so hungry you can't fall asleep and the second day you kind of settle into it you're still hungry but it's not as like sharp it's just kind of this dull weakness and then the third day I remember I went to a church to do a holy hour and I did the stations of the cross around the church and the, the inside I had was it wasn't like easier to pray in fact it was kind of harder to pray but I felt a new sympathy with Jesus as he fell the first time and the second time, and the third time. It wasn't that I was doing something spiritually strong. I, I realized that I was enter into, entering into my own spiritual weakness, my own dependence. And in that, I did feel an intimacy with the Lord, because He knows that same weakness. That's why He came in the flesh, not to be a superman, an ubermensch, but to be a slave, to be broken to be killed for us so that his body, his blood, his soul, his divinity could feed us, could be like manna in the desert, that we could find a friend, a fellow traveler through the desert. And so if you're in this moment now in Lent, uh, it's the first Sunday, but maybe you've already of been like, Ugh, three, four days, am I going to make it 40? To persevere is to have hope, is to remember the end for which we were made. That if it's, there's this temptation to be like, no, I'll get back at it when things go back to normal. Maybe you've heard that in your head. I know I've had, I've had that. Like, I'll give myself a pass. Well, it's been a year. We can't just keep giving ourselves passes, you know. This is the, the situation we're in, the circumstances we're in. They're difficult. But God is calling us to some deeper freedom, to some promised land that if we persevere, if we'll say yes and go out into the desert with him to experience our weakness, we'll be fed by him, we'll be consoled by him, we'll be encouraged by him to keep going.